Welcome everybody out there to Divorce Recovery Men Over 40. I have Yametra Chenault on the mic. She is a transformation advocate, and I don't know what that is. So I'm looking forward to figure out what that is. And she's a transformation advocate that uh, advocates being fearless. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of taste of that, and we'll go from there. I've got some questions for you. Well, thank you, Mr. David. Uh, so a transformation advocate is someone who gives you permission to go through the radical change that you need to for your next step. Sometimes we just need somebody to give us permission to say it's okay, that we can be great, that we can be different. And then once you give them that permission, they also need a support system. Like, can somebody hold my hand for the next step? Like, I know I need to take it, but I'm not sure what that is. And so I'm like your advocate who says, okay, you took the step. Now this is the next step. And this, you know, when you encounter this, this is how you walk through that. So I'm kind of like your guide on that journey. And where does it come into play being fearless? I think being fearless is... Understanding the fact that fear is going to be there regardless. And because it's going to be there regardless, it has an option. It can either go or stay. I'm going regardless of fear. And so uh, it can either go with me or stay with me. And, you know, when you are being fearless, you recognize that it's there and you, it does, you don't allow that to stop you. You just keep going. Okay. Let's get into the meat potatoes of it. Um, helping men over 40, managing loneliness. That was a big one for me, being lonely, being by myself, trying to navigate from two to one. That was that was very hard. So what do you suggest men should do, or anybody for that fact? Um, I've been there and done that. I may have been married a couple of times. Um, but that that transition period is, in the beginning, it is, scary and it is dark just like you said because you're going from two to one and to understand your thought process has to change that you're not taking an account of somebody else's thoughts and feelings other than your own and one of the things um for me that i had to do is as i was going through that transition is to think about um what was really important for me in that moment that i really needed like if I had to get down to the core of it, what was important to Jojo, Yamitra, at this point moving forward? The relationship has ended, the marriage has ended, and I no longer hold those those titles of wife, of first lady, or community leader. You don't hold those titles anymore. And a lot of times that's that's the hard part. It's not that the relationship ended, which may be a difficult part, but you no longer hold that title of husband. You no longer hold that title of caretaker, of provider. And so now what do you do with yourself? Because now you, you don't have a title of what identified you in the first place. And so now you start the journey of finding things that you enjoy doing for yourself, even when you don't know what that is yet. You got to be open-minded um, to at least start that journey. Uh, so for me, it was being open-minded, of course, and then figuring out what it is that I really liked about myself and what I wanted to expand on. How do you incorporate boundaries in that? That's a that's one word that we throw around a lot, boundaries. How do you incorporate boundaries into managing loneliness? Because that's a that's a big one right there. It is because you it's a slippery slope. Because um, (laughs) you can, you know, everything starts out good. And and then if you are 
transitioning, you know, you, you've been through that transition and maybe you're starting to date or in the bound, you're not clear about the boundaries. Some men and women can easily slip back into the marriage mode of the relationship. Well, I've been here before, you know, even I know what over. it is to be, you even know, a husband. wow. Huh? Even though yeah, it's over. I, yeah, like you, you know, you know how to do all the things and, and then you have to be mindful of the boundaries. And so the boundary first starts with yourself. So Jojo has to set that boundary. And for me, I had to say, okay, from this point, the old person cannot go and the new person cannot come. So Jojo, who was the first lady, that was who you were. Now, Jojo, the new person can go forward. So I had to draw a line within myself to say, and I call it the healing marker. I had to make a healing marker inside of my body that said, okay, this day, from this point forward, this is what we're doing different. And then hold myself accountable to that boundary. And every time I wanted to cross it, I had to go back and say, okay, but is this a healing marker or is this a harmful hurting marker? And then be mindful of that. So the healing marker compared to rediscovering identity. So your identity changes from A, uh, healing marker, B, post-healing marker. It is a hard transition. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Listen, I I will never tell anyone that it is an easy thing to do. And I, for me, in my mindset, I had to think about it in terms of this is my opportunity And I'm a big fan of word replacement. And so in my mind, I had to not look at it as being hard. I had to look at it as an opportunity to finally establish the me that I've always wanted to be. So when you get married, you know, at some point, if we're all transparent with each other, we we change who we are. We change to fit that other person's attitude, their mental, how we're going to raise their family. We're always changing. And at the end of the day, it's not only the woman that gets lost, but the man also gets lost in all all of it too, especially if he has a strong uh, strong will woman, or even if he doesn't have a strong will woman, and he's always been the authoritative the headstrong leader. Now, everything that has ever defined you is gone inside of that relationship. And so now I had to stop saying this is really, really hard because we can say that. And the more you say that, the harder it's going to be. And so I had to change that to say, wow, look at this opportunity I have now to redefine who I want to be, Mm -hmm. what I want to be. And then, you know, when you start to look at other relationships, it becomes even more exciting because now I, I'm I'm well more informed about who I am. So going into relationships is totally different than when I first started out. So what about the healthy coping mechanisms? There's unhealthy, there's healthy, there's on the border. I think coping mechanisms differ for men and women mm-hmm. where um, men will turn more to chemical sometimes. Then I'll actually turn to other men. Right. Where women would turn to other women. It's almost like an unspoken word not to show your feelings to another man. Absolutely. And men men have it hard in that aspect for women because starting from little boys, you're taught not to show emotion, not to cry, suck it up. 
Well, then when you become grown men and you have these emotions and sucking it up and not crying ain't working no more. So now what do you do? Because, you know, that could be the very thing that's also destroying the family, destroying yourself, your livelihood. You know, all the things that you were taught could be also be the things that are destroying your livelihood. And so now you're at a crossroads and you have to decide what is working for you and what's not. So um, I do an exercise that I created called the square exercise. And you take whatever that habit is. So if you know it's drinking for you or if it's whatever it is, your coping mechanism is, put it in a square exercise and literally draw, you know, piece of paper with the square down the middle like that, square it up. And one section is mental, emotional, physically, financial. And whatever that coping mechanism is, how is it impacting each one of those corners and how... For the good and the bad, so you need two separate sheets of paper. How is it working for you and how is it not working for you? And then you have the option to decide which one that you want to do. And it comes down, at the end of the day, it really comes down to what are you determined to um, redirect in your life? What are you determined to say differently? What different story are you telling? And to be honest, on this journey for me, what I've learned and I share with other women too is, you get you get so caught up and addicted. You get addicted to telling your story. Um, man, I'm divorced. That girl did me wrong. That man did me wrong. <laughs> and you get so addicted to telling that story. You want to tell it all the time. You got all the details and you want everybody to know all the details. Well, what would happen if you couldn't tell that story anymore? Well, a lot of people, they don't know who they would be if they couldn't tell that story anymore because it's such, again, it's the identity of who they are. I lost the title of husband and wife. So now I have the title of telling the story and I'm getting something from telling that story. I want your attention. I want you to feel bad for me. I want more conversation. I want this. So you can't give up the story because you're getting something from it. But what happened if you wrote a different story? What happened if you said, yes, I'm divorced. Yes, I'm a divorced man. It was hard. It was the love of my life. She broke my heart. Now can I write a different story? Well, now you got to now you have a whole different set of feelings that you have to address and think about because it's no longer an old story, it's a new story. And inside of that are your coping mechanisms too. Like, but I like telling that story. It's comfortable for me. I, you know, I know how it's gonna end. She broke my heart. I know how it's gonna end. And if I tell a new story, who's gonna wanna listen to me? Who's going to want to talk to me? Because now I got something else to say. And, you know, it, it really comes down to what do you want your life statement to be? Like, do you always be your life story? Wow. That's interesting how the story becomes part of your identity. Yeah. Um, I can see that how that happened to me, you know, because I was telling the story for years. And when I when I stopped telling the story. It was almost like I was empty inside and I had to create something new. Mm -hmm. So that was part of the healing process was stop telling the story. Mm -hmm. Man, that's that's deep. It's so simple. I, I never thought of that. Stop yeah. telling the damn story. Stop telling us. Tell a different story. And yeah. here's and here's my motto. And uh, people always say, Jojo, you you're crazy. But the good thing is you didn't die. You got your heart broken. Yeah. It ended. It was public. Honey, don't get no more public than being a first lady from a small town getting divorced. I was the talk of the town for years. But the good thing is I didn't die. 
And when you put it in that perspective, you alive, you well, you can still move about, you can still pay your bills. Now I can put everything in perspective, even the depression, even the sadness, even the heartache. Now I can start putting everything in its place to say, okay, now I can keep moving. Uh, but sometimes you need that guy. Like, you you know, you need the podcast for men over 40 are going through divorce. You need your guides along the way to help you uh, get through that transition period. Wow. What about establishing new routines? Um, I got into road biking and mountain biking. Matter of fact, uh, yeah. I, I went through some tires, man. I killed some tires. <laughs> I wore them out. I was, I, I was killing it. I was riding those two bikes. And I actually broke one. Oh, really? Just, just riding it, just, just, just taking that frustration and everything, and you know, just getting a routine. And I tell people that this is part of my story, but it, but it's pretty good. Is that my ex didn't let me, or didn't allow me, or didn't want me to eat Italian food because she said that it came through my pores and I stunk, and I couldn't wait to eat Italian food. <laughs> <laughs> It's the little I, things. <laughs> I eat Italian food all the doggone time. That's right. All the time. Mm-hmm. Extra garlic. Just, all just, the things. Just, man, <laughs> Olive Garden, man, they know me by first name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but those small things just add up. The small things add up. And, you know, to get into those new routines, here's the key for me, getting to new routines. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know what I wanted. Here I am, 27, 28. I had a three-month-old, seven-year-old, you know, trying to figure life out. And in the midst of all of that, identity crisis, throw in some depression, throw in, you know, all kinds of things. But here's the small key to it is... You got to be open to the possibility of things. And there's a quote um, that I love, and I can't tell you who was from right now. It says, never close your mind to an idea simply because it's miraculous. That idea or the notion or the, the new thing that you want to try came to you for a reason. And it came to you and it is a miraculous idea because it came to you, not just because it is you, it is because it is you. Because a lot of us can say, why me? And that's the whole point. It is you. Um, and be excited about that. But you got to be open to the possibility of things. And if you're not open-minded to the possibility that you can be different, you can be great, you can eat all the Italian food that you want, you can eat the garlic, <laughs> you can go live your whole best life. If you're not open to those possibilities, you'll never do it. Then resentment sets in, then yeah. anger, then frustration. And now here you are. 35, 40 years down the line, still mad about something somebody said to you. And if and if we're clear, it was a traumatic experience, right? You know, getting divorced was very traumatic, at least for me. And the thing with it being traumatic and trauma is that tra- everything happens so fast. And at one time, your body can't physically correlate that into anything. You can't think fast enough. Your feelings can't feel it. You can't hold it. And so your body absorbs all of that energy. And as your body absorbs the energy of all of that trauma, you hold on to it. And it shows up as headache, stomach ache, backache, weight gain, migraines. Uh, It shows up all over your body because 
You couldn't process it all at one time. Now, as you're going through and you're opening up your mind to the possibilities of things, you're going to have to deal with that trauma piece by piece. Why do I have these headaches? You know, is it related to this? Why is my stomach hurting? And then as you start to break those things down, you're reintroducing possibilities into your life. And that is the hard, fun part. It's hard, but it's the fun part that you you're literally making a whole new person and redefining a whole new you. And so that's the exciting part of the journey. One of my routines, one of my new routines that I got, and I honed this skill, this skill to the to the max. Mm-hmm. I was a no monger. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I said no just for the heck of it, just to hear it. <laughs> I said no, and and that's part of the boundaries too. Yes. I said no with with no explanation. Absolutely. I said no with a mic drop. Yes. I said no with explanations. <laughs> but I said no. Sometimes I said no and didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hear the word no. But the no helped me with my boundaries. And then it helped me with my new routines also. Yeah. Yeah. It was no, no. I tell people no was like sex. <laughs> it was. Yes, man. I was, I was ripping off that word. No. no, no, thank you. My favorite was no, no, thank you. That won't work for me today, but thanks for asking. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It was a little bit gracious, you know, a little bit in your yes. face, a little bit gracious. Let's turn to dating. A lot of my mm-hmm. listeners and guys over 40, you know, they, they think too far down the line, you know, they don't heal. But after you heal and gone through the struggles and leaned into the pain, and let's say you're ready for dating, what would you suggest to a guy how to start that process? Make sure that you are clear of what you want from that person. So I, when I started dating, the guy I was dating was extremely... <laughs> He was extremely clear. There was no room for doubt. <laughs> on our first date, I don't like being single. I want to get married. And I, I date to get married. I was like, clutch my pearls. Oh, okay. Well, sir, I, I don't think I'm ready for that just yet. So, no, but thanks for asking. No, but thanks for asking. And I, t- I appreciate that mm. so much. I appreciate you thought about me, but no, thank you. Uh, or my favorite is, I don't think I want to participate in that right now. Um, and so, no, I don't want to participate. So be clear about what you want from that person. And and it's okay to say, I just want to hang out. I just want companionship. I want somebody to go out with, hang out with, have those conversations, have a nice dinner. Be clear about what you want first and what are the boundaries, what you want and what are the boundaries of what you will not accept because, you know, we all learn valuable lessons through that divorce. And we know what we will not accept going forward and make sure that you're able to articulate those things. Um, go And then just have fun with the dating. I didn't date for a very long time. And I, I went to work and I came home, went to work. I finished a whole master's degree, a whole Ph.D. Told you you're going out. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. Right here with my books. I don't need to go nowhere. I don't want to go nowhere. This is my man, my book right here. This is my man man right here. I'm going to read this good old philosophy book and just mind my business. Socrates, I love you. How you doing? Yes. Honey, me and Aristotle were knee deep in this thing. There you go. So you have to decide, like, be clear about what it is that you want and then just have fun, but also have your boundaries of what you're not going to accept from another person. Like, you know, these are some conversations I, I can't accept or how you're going to 
for me, listen, I went, and you can go to the extreme. Don't be like me and go to the extreme. I wrote a whole book. So when I started dating, I was like, okay, let me write out this, I meant a book for this man. And I said, this is the emotional section. This is the physical Dang. section. So you got a roadmap to judge it. When I say I don't feel like talking, I mean it. So just, you know, <laughs> so you can find your reference guide. It's right there. So, um, chapter four, read it. And be, be intentional, huh? Chapter four, read it, please. Yeah, yeah. Listen, when there was any question in paragraph two, section one, I said, and I meant this part. Uh, um, and so, man. you know, but just have fun, but be intentional about what, what you want from it. Yeah, the one thing I really stress, and Rachel and I stress, we stress self-care. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people don't take care of themselves, and, and they don't mm-hmm. realize, you know, they have little kids or big kids or grown kids. They can't take care of others if they don't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so easy to get lost in that vortex where you don't care, you know, you let yourself go, this, that, and the other. But there's consequences to that, mm-hmm. and, and they don't see that big picture. No, that because it's just... Life happens and it goes by so fast that one day is every day. You know, one day I'll do this, but that becomes your every day. One day never arrives and it becomes your every day. And um, again, you have to be intentional about that. For me, self-care was in the height of my depression, you know, because I had two kids and homeless and all of that. In the height of my depression, I celebrated the little things. So my self-care was, hey, Jojo, you got out the bed. Good job. I'm proud of you today. Hey, Jojo, you washed your face. You brushed your teeth. You came out the house. I'm proud of you today. And I was celebrating those, you know, those little wins and my self-care became taking care of the physical me. So the mental me could uh, rest and relax and just take a break. And so that was walking every day that began working out boxing five and six days a week. I love boxing now. When I started out, I hated boxing because I was like, my arms like <laughs> and shoulders hurt. Now it's one of my favorite sports. And, you know, and just taking that time for you, because if you, Oprah Winfrey said, when somebody tells you you're full of yourself, tell them thank you. And my add on to that is when I, when I'm full of myself, I can serve you more. I can give you more of my laughter, more of my fun, more of my mm-hmm. attention. But it, if, I, if I'm not full of myself, I can't give you any of that. You're going to get less than. And then that's not fair to you or anybody. And it's not fair to your kids either. What would you suggest validating uh, grief, anger, pain? How do you lean into that and turn it into good? You acknowledge that it's there. Because a, a lot of us, um, Black women, we're taught, you know, you just, you do what you got to do, you know? You, you go through it and you keep going. But that anger eats away eats away with you to grief and it just sits and it festers and it comes as shoulder pain, headaches and migraines. It's going to show up in your body as a heart attack eventually. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it is acknowledging that it's there. It is, it is a-okay to feel the anger, to grieve, to cry, to do all of that. The point is not to live there. Um, and the more you understand that you can feel it and not live in it, the easier it becomes. Because you can say, you know what, today, I'm, man, I'm having a bad day. I'm thinking about, especially, you know, when you have those triggers, like I'd go to church and 
the choir would sing his favorite song. I'd be like, here we go, Lord. Now I thought I got over it. Here we go. You know, and just say, you know what? I, I feel I feel that grief. I feel that pain. I feel yep. the missing piece of that. You know what? It's okay because I'm human. But I don't have to. I don't have to stay there and give your, yourself space to feel that. Whether it's mine is twenty four hours. I allow myself to kick, scream, holler, honey, cry, do whatever I want to do. And the rule is, okay, Georgia, you got twenty four hours. Get it in, friend. Whatever you want to do, if you want to cuss, throw something, get it in. Tomorrow is a different day, and you know, just give yourself space to grieve. It happened, and you have to ignore. Ignoring it will not make it go away. It's not going to make it go away. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. (laughs) (laughs) I have too. (laughs) Man, I'm going to go get me some Italian food after this, and I'm going to enjoy myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care what anybody says, man, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking time and we're definitely going to revisit this because I'm going to write this up and and, uh, decipher this and lean into a little bit too, man. I've had a couple of podcasts the past couple of weeks and I've learned so much from people. It's just been phenomenal. And everybody's so nice and everybody has a different take and man, you know, it's almost like drinking from a fire hose or like I might have to take a break. (laughs) Give me me some Italian food. You're a, you're a guy for the other, so that that's a, that's an amazing journey for yourself too. So that's oh, yeah. uh, it's all right, fellas good. out there and ladies. Uh, we want to thank her for for uh, dropping some knowledge on us, and we'll see you guys next week. All right, take care. Bye bye.